Welcome to Bibliography, a podcast for people who love a good to-be-read list. I'm David Kern here at Goldberry Books in Concord, North Carolina, and this is a conversation show about the way books make our lives richer. This week's guest is Josh Ritter, novelist, musician, and all-around highly intelligent gentleman, as you will see in this conversation. In 2006, Ritter was named one of the 100 greatest living songwriters by Paste Magazine, and his music has won numerous accolades. His albums, The Animal Years and So Runs the World Away, are both extremely important to me, played on repeat numerous times over the last several years. But of course, we are here to talk books, including Ritter's own. His first novel, Bright's Passage, came out in 2011, and then earlier this autumn, his second novel was published. That book is called The Great Glorious Goddamn of It All, and it's both a coming-of-age novel and a memory novel, and it's set during the last age of the Lumberjacks. The protagonist is 99-year-old Weldon Applegate, and he's looking back at his life among larger-than-life characters that populated the Pacific Northwest around the turn of the 20th century. Ritter is from Moscow, Idaho, and the novel captures that part of the world in vivid detail. He writes in poetic, playful prose that is consistent with what we have seen in his songs for more than two decades now. As the book's jacket says, it's a novel that is braided with haunting saloon tunes and just the right dose of magic, and is a novel bursting with heart, humor, and an utterly transporting adventure that is sure to sweep you away into the beauty of the tall, snowy mountain timber. Ritter joined me recently to discuss the books that have inspired him and the differences he sees in songwriting and fiction writing, with a few similarities in there as well. He's a fascinating guy with a lot to say about literature, and I was really glad to get a chance to sit down with him. Hope you enjoy it too. So here is my conversation with Josh Ritter. All right, well, we are here to talk about the books that you love. So thank you so much for joining me. This is, uh, this is an honor for me to get to talk to you. I've been a fan for, for a long time. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Uh, Animal Years was like a seminal album for me years ago. So. That's awesome. Um, thank you. But okay, this is where I like to start. This is kind of my first question. You've got this book out. So right now we're focused... I mean, you're probably spending a lot of time focusing on your books as opposed to your music. Although I know you're also touring the book while playing music. Yeah. But is there a book from your childhood or I guess maybe at any point in your life that was the first book that you fell in love with? It's, it's like you can point to that book as this changed books and stories for me. Yeah, I guess there are those like hazy moments when you're a kid where, you, where yeah. a, a music or a book strikes you and you don't know, it leaves an impact and you're not sure why. You know, there are those yeah. books that are like, for me, which were like The Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper mm. was a big one for me, you know, or, or the stuff by Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. You know? And it left me wanting more, but I didn't, I didn't relate it to, uh, it being a part of my life and, you know, word and literature. I think the first book that really knocked me out, I really discovered later on, it was both a, an ambitious book and it was an interesting book. I, I love this book. It was called a uh, blue highways by William least heat moon. 
And it was a beautiful book about a man who circumnavigates the country in his van. I found it when I was on tour in, in Bratislava. And uh, <laughs> it was at a bookstore and it was one of the few books that was in English. And I bought it. And uh, it, was, huh. it, it was at the beginning of my touring life and, you know, sort of at the beginning of my life outside of college and, and anything. It was the beginning of my own personal existence. And, mm. and that was the big one for me. Do you still have that copy? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's packed away right now, but I have it for sure. And I, have, I, have you read it again it. since? Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it really provided a template for me, uh, uh, for how to travel and tour. Hmm. You know, it gave me a way of thinking about my life and, and, and what I was going to be doing with my music, uh, hmm. and a way to think about the traveling that would come along with it. So you've been spent a lot of time on the road and all kinds of different countries and cities and places like that. H- have you then become a fan of what I guess we could call travel books in general. I think that there's a lot of stuff that I relate to in, in, in travel books that I appreciate in passing, but a lot of times like, you know, I, I certainly don't have a, a hole in my soul from, uh, <laughs> from not enough travel. So yeah. that's been, although, you know, in this last little while, just being home and being off the road for these last 18 months has made me wax nostalgic you know, given a little bit longer, I might, I might pick up some Theroux or some, <laughs> some, you know, has it made you wistful for the road again? Uh, yes, absolutely. Performing and, and, and getting a chance to do that stuff. I, I miss it. Yeah. So you're from Idaho. I actually lived in Boise, Idaho for a while as a kid. Oh, wow. So I know the state a little bit, but it seems like you really love Idaho. Like, you know, you did an interview recently. I saw with the, I think it was with CBS and yeah. you went back to Moscow and you seem to be take a lot of pride in the place that you come from. Yeah. Are there books or a, or, or a literature say that captures what you love about the place that you came from? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's a little bit like a smell, like that, <laughs> you know, it when, when you run across it, you know, when it's, when it's there, yeah. you know, the, the, yeah. So the pine smell of pine trees is like so, so evocative and one that I can't really summon to my mind unless I'm in the thick of it. And, mm-hmm. and, and the same way with books about the area, although I, I have a, a real uh, soft spot for another roadside attraction by Tom Robbins, uh, who is mm-hmm. like wrote this amazing book about a couple setting up shop in the Northwest. And it's very uh, uh, reminiscent of, of a place that I, I feel like I grew up, you know, did you grow up in a reading family? Yes. Yeah, definitely. So books were a big part of it. Books were a big part of it. And like, we only had two TV stations, you know, this (laughs) is before I really discovered music. So yeah, reading was a major part of my, my life growing up. What kind of stuff did your parents read with you all? All kinds of stuff. You know, I think, I think there was, you know, Carl Sagan, uh, hmm. my parents are both scientists. And then, so like they read all kinds of stuff. I remember reading little bits of the voyage of the beagle, you know, Oh yeah. Carl, and then like, you know, CS Lewis, like I said, Arthur C. Clarke, there was lots of adventure, you know, there was, you know, Robert Louis Stevenson, hmm. little house on the prairie, yeah, yeah. You know, all these, all these books that were just full of, of adventure for a kid. Oh, Jack London, of course. Oh yeah. Pacific North. West ish stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as you were starting to get into music, did these stories that you guys were reading when you were a kid that you that were kind of part of your family life, did that inspire or inform your music, do you think? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I've always felt that the music is, is like a form for the story, you know, mm. the story is the water. So it just fills up whatever form you decide it should go into. Mm. So I always had lots of stories and I discovered songs first, you know, I, I mean, I discovered songs as my own personal way of getting those stories mm. out. Yeah. It took me a while to realize that I could also try uh, like a longer form, but the stories were the same, you know, the stories mm. were always there. So you didn't grow up as a kid filling journals with stories like little kid novels or short stories or whatever? Not really. You know, I was, I was more of the kind of Napoleon dynamite kid who was like drawing pictures (laughs) of dragons in his notebook, you know? (laughs) Are you good? Uh, Are you good at drawing? uh, No, I'm terrible at it. (laughs) The universe said you could only be good at two art forms. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of your, a lot of your songs have a similar vibe to the books that you've written, both the newer one and then Bride's Passage. You know, I, I find them to be, to, to see, you seem to have this love of not just the stories, but wordplay for lack of a better word. Mm. It seems like that shows up a lot in your songs as well, whether it's, and it goes beyond rhyming. You know, it's, it seems to be yeah. that you enjoy the way different sounds work together and that shows up in the voice of the character and of your narrator and your new novel, as well as say, you know, songs from animal years, years ago, or, or whatever, whatever record. Yeah. Did, did you, I mean, does that come from, do you think that is inspired by reading poetry? Is that inspired by the fiction that you read? Or is that just some inner voice you have something that's just, you know, God given or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's a definitely an inner voice. I always think that there's like the way some people dress, Mm. is fascinating to me because they just seem to know inherently the rules to how to look cool, (laughs) you know, and they can be wearing the most outlandish thing and something about their carriage makes them cool. Yeah. Yeah. If I tried that, it wouldn't look cool. Yeah, exactly. I can't wear the things my daughter wears to school, you know, (laughs) halfway near as cool as she does. And like, and, 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 and I feel that way with music too, like with writing, I should say in general is that mm. there are rules that, that just seem like they, that only I know they're, they're my own personal rules for, for writing. And as long as I don't violate those, then I feel that I'm, I'm working on something that I really enjoy. I get inspiration from other people's work to the extent that it makes me excited to work on my own stuff. You know, mm. yeah, I, I remember like watching when I was a kid, watching the Pistons play and uh, they were <laughs> playing in the championship. And I, I remember missing a good portion of the, of the game because I was outside shooting baskets because I, I wanted to play professionally. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and so that's kind of how, how different people's work affects me is it makes me want to go off and, and do my thing. And it makes me, uh, like covet that feeling of, mm. of creation. Mm. You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I was thinking before we started chatting, I was just kind of driving around thinking about your writing mm-hmm. and how some of your songs over the years. And then of course now reading fiction have made me want to go right. Like there's something about the way you string words together that feel for lack, uh, pardon the the phrase, but feel writerly. Like, and so when you are writing a song, say, say you're say let's talk about songwriting. When you're writing a song, are you, are you really like slaving like word by word? You're really pain. It's painstaking 
in the way that you, you know, you're trying to put the lines together, the words together in the perfect way, or does that just sort of like, is that like a rhythm that just kind of comes out? Like, it is, and then I have a question about revision that I'll follow up with after that. Sure. Yeah. Well, that it works. It works with, it's, it's interesting with, with, with songs, it's much more like you're flying a kite. You're flying this like, and, and every little, every tiny little change to a word has a big difference on how the kite flies, you know, mm-hmm. even though it's just a, a tiny movement. And so the editing process is, is constant with a song until the song is done because you're, you're just moving, making these micro micro adjustments to this little tiny story and mm-hmm. uh, to keep it aloft. And with a yeah. novel, those adjustments are on a much larger scale. They like, they involve, they feel like you're trying to turn a battleship, you know, mm. You try because the the blocks that you're working with, the blocks of the story are, are so much larger and mm. uh, and contain within them so much more information. So the editing process is is slower. You know, I typically when I'm done with a song, I'm done with it because I've finished, you know, my my edits and played it through and all the syllables fit and everything rhymes the way I want it to, you know. Yeah. But with the with the novel, that that work is is ex- just extended for so much longer. Are the seeds of the songs you write different than the seeds that turn into a novel? So for example, is there an image or a character or something that could become either and you have to figure out which it is? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, my first novel, Bright's Passage, was uh, came out of a, a song that I thought, you know, I wrote and wrote and then thought, well, this is more than a, this is this mm. is not uh, a song. This is something else. Yeah. But I think that the seeds of the story are, are very, are always the same. You know, they come from the same place. And in fact, in uh, Great Glorious Goddamn, there's a song which actually I wrote, which came out of the universe of that mm that world. And I wrote it into the book uh, because I, I thought it would be fun to mix those two worlds together but because mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, like you say, the seeds, the seeds are the same, I think for me. Have you ever thought about doing like a whole album of songs that's from the world of the book? Would you ever do something oh, like yeah. that? I think, you know, that's the sort of thing where once, once the, once the world is there, like, and you have like an idea of, of what sort of things would fit in it, then it makes it really, makes it really fun to take a song and like say, well, oh, this belongs here in this, in this strange, in this strange yeah. little world. And, you know, this doesn't, you know, or, or there could be a novel out of this song on whatever record. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So here's a question then when you're working on a record versus working on a novel, are you reading different things? Like, is there, are there certain books you turn to when you're writing your fiction that would be different than when you're writing a song or is it the same sort of like books that you just love? (laughs) Um, I'd say like, I, 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 I am, I do worry sometimes about when I'm, when I'm, when I'm working on something that I'm, I'm picking up, the rhythm of whatever it is that I'm, I I do, I would just pick it up, you know, Uh, I pick up the rhythm of the writing and I pick up the rhythm of the dialogue and stuff. And sometimes I think that's like that. I mean, it's just natural. It's nothing that I can like fight, but I have to, uh, uh, I have to notice it. I I typically, when I'm really working, I'm, 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 you know, and I only have a limited amount of time. Like I, I, I'm working on my book rather than reading, Hmm. uh, it's because yeah. I just have like, I have a, like a little bit of time while the kids are at school. Yeah. You know, and like, and, and, uh, but then when I'm, when I'm not working on something really hard, then I'm, I'm reading kind of widely, you know, yeah. whether, 
I cast a pretty wide net and like, it's rare that I'll go and I'll, I'll go on a, a real jag and read somebody for, you know, read their entire collected works, you know, but that does happen sometimes too. When was, can you think of the last time who that, who that was that captured you like that? Well, the person whose work that I've like dearly loved is, uh, is, uh, Muriel Spark. Mm. You know, he's like such a fantastic, uh, writer and, and who, who I, who I just like, I, I read one book and I thought, well, this is for me <laughs> uh, and I ordered everything else. It's just the best, you know, getting, which getting, book was the gateway into the spark it was verse for Memento you? Mori yeah. about a retirement community and, and people on the phone start getting anonymous calls that say, remember, you must die. Uh, <laughs> and it's a, it, it's a comedy. It's really great. Great. So is that still your favorite of her work? I love so many of her books, like uh, Loitering with Intent might be my favorite. Okay. Like, about a, uh, a woman who uh, helps people writing their biographies. She starts making up all kinds of things about, about their lives and, and they, they decline to, uh, to correct her. So. <laughs> I haven't read that one yet. I'll have to add that to my list. It's really fun. This is not the first time that she has come up on this show. <laughs> uh, it, it's not a very old show either. And people, people seem to really love her work. What, what, what do you think it is? Is it, is it the prose? Is it the characters? Is it the worlds that she creates? The, the, the an energy about it? Well, so I love the fact that like my favorite authors are, are never, uh, they have a, like, uh, they realize the audience is going to like the person reading it is going to have to have an imagination of their own. And, mm. and, and I, what mm. I love about Muriel Spark is that she has this way of creating these scenes that are short and sharp. They're just like getting stabbed, you know, <laughs> and like, and she does it with so few bells and whistles and they're funny and they're, they're true. You know, they're mm. like what somebody said of, of Flannery O'Connor stuff that it was the, the people in them did just like they, they would, you know, mm. they, like they, the people act according to age old human, human behavior, but they're, they're just uh, so funny and so mm. sharp and true. And, mm. and, and, and in terms of concision, they warm my songwriter's heart because they, <laughs> they yeah, she gets yeah. so much said with saying so little. It's, I like that you said that they, how did you put it? They, they understand that the reader is going to have an imagination to bring yeah. to the scenario. Is she withholding enough from the reader to allow the reader to be present in the scene as well? Is that kind of what she's doing or would you put she's, it? It's more like she's, she's coming across the page and you can actually see her lifting her eyebrow as she's, as she's telling <laughs> the story, you know, mm, yeah. she's, she's giving you the subtle, uh, real wink, you know, that there's someone in charge telling you a, a great story, you know, mm. and I've seen that on stage before. I've seen people go out and the audience just isn't comfortable. And then I've seen people walk out and just for some reason, the audience is comfortable. And it's like that with, with writing too. I feel that like, you know, she's somebody who, no, no matter how devious her plots are or, or anything there's, or, you know, how she treats her characters, there's always a sense that there's this like person in charge who's going to take me on this really great trip. That's really interesting because sometimes, you know, sometimes I think for like a live show, like a, a live musical show to be really intimate or really, really exciting for the audience, you almost have to feel like the performer is your friend, even though you don't actually they don't, you don't actually know each other. Yeah. Like you, you have to feel like, like when I go to a Josh Ritter show, 
I got. I almost. I almost feel like when I love it, that I'm friends with Josh Ritter, even though right. you know I've never met you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's like the same way with a great writer. Like you, the, the whoever the the voice of the narrator feels like a friend of yours, even if the scenario or the scene or whatever is so dark, you'd never actually want to participate in it. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It's an amazing thing. And, and, and I guess like, I don't need like the writer to be personable, but I need like, mm-hmm. I need to feel that there is an intent, you know, mm-hmm. when I would, I read like ground beneath their feet by Salman Rushdie, which mm-hmm. is a long, long book, but like about music. And, and it's just, it's just a, a, an amazing book. And it, it goes off in so many different directions, but there's, you know, there's always the author behind it, you know, and you can always like feel his presence. Mm. And I, I don't know, I don't know how people do that, but I think it's an amazing part of, of reading and of writing that's kind of ineffable. So do you think that that's something that is a skill that can be developed or is that intuitive? And same with like the stage, like, you know, when you perform, are you, tr- are you thinking consciously, I want people to feel like mm. I'm their friend or is that just an intuitive thing that's part of performing? You know, it's just part yeah. of you. I think that the the thing that's most important with a show is that people are there because they want to be there. You know, they, they're there because they want to be moved and yeah. I'm there because I want to be moved. And if we all don't get in the way of each other, then we'll all be moved. Mm-hmm. And it's just mostly about like removing obstacles mm-hmm. to that feeling. And, you know, in the same, you know, so those, those sorts of adjustments are very micro and they happen during the show yeah. and they happen, you know, whether I'll sweat, you know, sing a song and then decide like, I need to change the mood that happens, yeah. you know, so I'll sing a different song that I had planned that happens with, with writing all the time when, when, you know, I feel that a, a novel is like a show. It's like, hmm. it has a narrative rise and fall, you know, it reaches some points and then it takes a rest and then it reaches another dynamic level. And then there's a graceful, hopefully a graceful exit, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, and so the two things are so similar in that way. Like, I, hmm. you know, and I always kind of go for that. Hmm. That's really interesting. So the performing a live show is like, it's like, it's like being in a novel or like writing a novel or maybe it's a like, both. It's like writing a novel. Yeah. yeah. I, I would hope that an audience that sees a show could also, you know, read a book and feel the same lift and, and rise and fall, you know, mm-hmm. dynamically, uh, uh, you know, of emotion. That's, you know, that's, that's what I really hope, you know, my writing would do is be helpful in that way and transportative in that way. And like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, so yeah. Yeah. So since we're talking about uh, talking about this, are there, um, are there any books about, about musicians, about the life of musicians that you think really get it that really capture it? Oh yeah. I mean, and and the great thing about it is is like, it's sort of like writers talking about writing It's describing something that is, that is not just second nature, but is first nature. And Mm -hmm. so it's hard, you know, I'm interested in anybody's view of what they do. Yeah. You know, but whatever they, whatever anybody does is, is like, they've got a, a way of thinking about it. That's unique. And, and I love the Steve Martin books, born standing up. I thought that that was, that was a tremendous book about performing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Springsteen's book is, is, is phenomenal. You know, just, just so, so, yeah, so good. I love it's, that it's so interesting to me. Cause I'm, I would probably be on the shortlist for the world's least musical people. So to, <laughs> To, to read about 
people who are really good at something that I have no ability to mm. enter into is really fascinating. That's so true. I, I love to read, you know, like whether it's the, what is it? Chronicles, the Dylan book or, yeah. you know, the Springsteen book or, you know, it, cause I can't, I, it's, I might, you might as well be reading about lumberjacks. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 so right. is there any, are there any books like that where it, you know, it's about something that you have no access to. You could never, it's just something you're not good at, or you could never be a part of that have changed your perspective or just interesting for you to get into. I, one of the, one of the books that I really enjoyed that when I was running more was the Haruki Murakami book. What we talk about when we, I think what we, what we talk about when we talk about running, maybe I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's on running and it's so, it's so good. And he, he puts a finger on the, on the feeling of doing needing to do something, whether you're good at it or not, you know, and like the joy in doing something that is not your first passion, you know, mm-hmm. the joy in doing something where that inner voice in, inside your head, isn't even paying attention to it because it thinks it's so far down the list, you know, like, you know, I remember when I was, when I was, when I was running marathons, that was something I enjoyed because it was a feeling of, there was no pressure because I, I've seen what I look like running, you know, <laughs> you know how terrible it is. And like, yeah. I know that I'm not going to like set any world records. I'm not going to do it. There's no, I don't put any pressure on myself for that. And and for that reason, it's, it's like, makes it much more enjoyable and, and a relief, uh, you know, and I think that Murakami's book uh, went a long way towards, you know, helping me to think about it like that. When you get into a rut, a songwriting rut or a fiction writing rut? Do you have writers you turn to? I'm not going to say writer's block because I know there's big debates about whether writer's block is a thing that exists. Oh, sure, sure. But uh, I mean, you're, you're just kind of like, man, I don't know what to do today. I don't know where to take this. Do you, do you just power through? You just don't worry about it? Or is there someone you turn to as your like guiding light? That's interesting. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I would say that generally I find when I'm in a, in a rut is because I, am, I, I have not been putting enough new stuff into my system, you know, new experiences, new music, new books, mm-hmm. new ideas, you know, yeah. and that, that generally that's like, that's like, and, and, you know, uh, and I find that stuff through all kinds of stuff, but like, but, you know, I, I really am, a, I'm a big believer in turning on the radio and, and, or, you know, turning on the music and, and like, you know, searching for that song that really gives you uh it gives you that feeling of inspiration. Like it's yeah. like somebody did this, somebody wrote famous blue raincoat, you know, yeah. somebody, somebody like made this thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what, that's what gets me going. But I, I you know, but I, so I'll turn to people like specifically, you know, if it's like, you know, like if it is Leonard Cohen or if it's like Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton movie, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever it is that is, feels like it's putting something substantive into my bloodstream, you know, that mm. gets me going again, you know, but there's nobody that I've specifically learned. I can, I can turn to, yeah. you know, and if I, if I could find that, that person, I would, I would go there all the time. <laughs> well, you mentioned Cohen and that's, you know, he's kind of like a musical equivalent of the classics in in reading. Do you, yeah. what role do like reading the classics have? I mean, I know that's kind of a, a general term, but define it however you want. I mean, you seem like a guy who would, who would like, to read uh, Moby Dick or, <laughs> or well, like the great Gatsby yeah. or something. You know, I think that it's, it's important to like, uh, I, you know, I, I ran across a lot of books when I was in, in high school and, and stuff like that. And I think more, you know, and, and, and more, more and more what I wanted to make sure was that I was like, 
not missing out on, on something not mm -hmm. missing out on the book itself, but missing out on, on the discussion, you know? Yeah. So that when people did talk about Moby Dick, I would know about Moby Dick, you know, just because yeah. I, uh, but, but it was mostly because I wanted to take part in like what was being said. And then there are certain cultural touchstones, which are very useful. I don't know that they're like, the, you know, they're absolutely necessary, but they're so useful for, for, for us to, to be able to speak in, you know, whether it's the Bible or if it's, it's Huckleberry Finn or I had to let my dog out no, you're, uh, you're the Bible or Huckleberry Finn or, or whatever it should be Casey at the bat. Maybe it's like, it's, it's just nice to, nice to know that stuff. So I think that in that way, classics have been, you know, super important. It's also amazing to to get somebody like, you know, Don Quixote and like, and, and to read that book and to say like, holy moly, this guy was doing like, this guy was doing amazing, Im impressive, like strange, modern uh, <laughs> yeah. work, like hundreds of years before the rest of anyone. So it was, it was, yeah. it's fun for that sense too. Yeah. Before those were even concepts that people talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was using camera angles before we like, before we had cameras. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. So you got kids. Yeah. Um, I got two questions related to kids books. Does it, here's the first one. Are there any books that you love to share with your, you got two little girls. Is that right? Yeah. With your daughters, yeah. like you just books, you're just loving getting to read with them or handing to them. I think, uh, do is talk. Uh, oh by, yeah. By Carson. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that, that, that book has been a, a major, a major one for us. That's that. Yeah. I know the book. book. Yeah, and then, and then uh, the book that I'm very Carson excited Ellis. About. Yes, Carson yes, Ellis. Yeah. yeah, and then we're on the verge of the graveyard book uh, by Neil Gaiman for for mm. for Beatrix, my my older daughter, who I think is just gonna uh, is gonna freak out about it. She's gonna love it. Yeah. So mentioning Carson Ellis actually reminded me of something because she has worked with Colin Malloy mm -hmm. on his. I think she's done some illustrations for his his stuff. Yeah. Um, and it made me realize, you know, Colin Malloy, another musician. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, there are several, quite a few musicians, in fact, that have written novels, many of them for kind of middle grade, young adult mm -hmm. uh, readers. What do you, why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's like, uh, it's just telling us, telling a, a story and like is really for, for me. And I suspect for many, like is the main is the main goal and, yeah. and and telling that story is just the is, is is the only way to like to get that feeling and and and, mm. and i imagine that there are there are musicians and and all kinds of different people that are just looking for that in that same thrill i imagine there's this like writers group of people who are most are originally known as musicians you guys get together and like yeah, talk, yeah. About, <laughs> talk about fiction writing we, talk, we don't talk about rhyming we, we allowed. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because reading uh, the um, great glorious goddamn of it all. Um, did I get that right? I get all the letters yeah, yeah. in there. Um, I'm, I was actually also, I, I've read some of it. I've listened to some of it. I try to get, you know, the different, the different ways of experiencing it. And while I was listening to it, it felt, I actually mean this as a compliment, just to be clear. It yeah. felt a lot like the, the way, an adult version of the way people like to write for middle grade novels. Oh, cool. And I love middle grade novels have this like un like they're not afraid to let the poetry be the poetry. They're not trying to be 
you know, the sparse Cormac McCarthy, Ernest Hemingway type sure. thing. I love those writers. Yeah, right. But there's this fun to the writing that you get in like a Jonathan Oxier novel. Um, I don't know if you've mm. ever read his books or just a lot of middle grade fiction. Yeah. Clearly is having fun with the language and the writing and there's just a joy about it. And as is often said about your live performances, this is a book that seems to be taking a lot of joy in the language. There's, there seems to be a lot of... You're ta- you seem to be having a lot of fun and a lot of, taking a lot of pleasure in the process yes. and in the, in the writing of it. So did you think there's possible that you were inspired by any like those kind of books as you were writing? And I, again, I, I don't, I mean that as a compliment, you know, yes, I don't mean to say your book is form is like a middle grade novel, but there's some similarities in the way, the tone of them that I really enjoy. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think probably there, there really is, you know, I was, I, I was, I was, I was raised with so many, uh, you know, adventure, adventurous books. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah. That was part of it. But also there's the, the joy that the, these jewels and these treasures that we heap on, heap on, on kids, you know, that are, are, are these, that are so classic, you know, the Jabberwock. Yeah. 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 Jabberwock. Or the, you know, the T.S. Eliot or like, you know, Proof Rock, you know, that yeah. they're fun. They're yeah. really fun. Yeah. And, and it's, it's always a shame if that fun can't continue, you know, and mm-hmm. my favorite, my favorite writers are, are, are ones where, you know, they continue that sense of, of joy, you know, moving forward. And, and like, it's, it's something that we can all take part in and like pleasure, you know, Confederacy of Dunces. Mm. You know, yeah. It's like, it's such a, a funny novel that could be for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. I'll let you go. Yeah. Let's say you, uh, you get, you're going to get stuck on a deserted Island or, you know, a mountain cabin for a month or something like that. And you've got a yeah. backpack and you got your notebook in there so you can do some songwriting and some writing. You've got, you know, you got, you get to have your guitar, throw harmonica in there. Um, yeah. what are a couple books that you would be like, I can't live without these books. I, I have to have them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and these are books, classic like books they can that be, loved. they can, they can be whatever you want. They can, you know, you just, you're, it's going to be quiet. <laughs> you're going to yeah. get a lot of joy, a lot of pleasure from them while you wait to get, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you're going to get rescued. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Totally. So you're I, killing I, time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to go back and read again, the, uh, uh sisters brothers. Patrick but, DeWitt uh, book. Yeah. yeah. Patrick DeWitt. That'd be, that'd be one of the, and then, uh, um, Elizabeth Gilbert's city of girls, which is one that I, I, I just need more time to finish. Yeah. Those would be two big ones that I'd take with me as I, as I work and I get to learn the structure of, of novels more and I'm more impressed with writers and how they do it. A gentleman in Moscow by, uh, Amor towels tolls. Yeah. 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 Which is another one that I would take with me just to, just to read back and like, see how he did that. He has a new book coming out on October 5th. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I've read the first like third of it on a advanced copy and it's, it's great. Awesome. Well, Hey, you know, one of the great things I love about this podcast is just being able to add more things to the, to be read list. Yeah. And you definitely gave me plenty of things. Um, did you see the sisters brothers movie? No, I didn't. I haven't seen it. Is it good? Yeah. It's one of the, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I love that book too. And yeah. uh, that's one that I'm always little little anxious about when they're gonna make a movie i mean mean, i'm not someone who says they have to be the exact they're different forms i'm okay with making changes but this one i thought really captured like the essence of that book in a really cool way so Uh, that's awesome would you ever want either of your books be made in the movies i love that i think that stuff's so fun when it when it when it you know i feel that way with music too when it when it strikes somebody and they they turn it into something else that's something amazing 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, I, I gotta let you go. I kept you as long as I said I would. So I appreciate your time and good Thank luck with you. the book. It's been, it's been really fun chatting with you. Oh, have a great one. Thanks. You too. See you later. All right. Bye. Well, that was singer songwriter and novelist, Josh Ritter. His new book is The Great Glorious Goddamn of It All. And it's available now wherever books are sold. Of course, if you'd like to order from us here at Goldberry Books, you can head over to bookshop.org slash shop slash Goldberry Books. Thanks so much for listening. And please be sure to tell your friends about the show in whatever form you'd like to do that. We certainly appreciate it. For all of us here at Goldberry Books, I'm David Kern. Until next time, happy reading.